Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. My name is Andrea Simintov, and you are listening to Pull Up a Chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Do not touch that computer. It's where it's supposed to be. Okay, this is um, apparently, not apparently, very much ingrained in my psyche. Today is Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving in America. So we're going to talk a lot about Thanksgiving, even even celebrated, even acknowledged, even Jewishly connected this year during a week that certainly in the Jewish world has been peppered with violence, bleakness, uh, once again, the raising of the ugly head marked anti-Semitism, and yet Hope still lies on the horizon. So first of all, let me say good night, good morning to those listening in from the United States and Canada. Boker Tov Eretz Israel. Germany is with us this morning. The UK, man, it is early there. And good morning, Nigeria, and good morning, South Africa. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Please, God, I will be visiting your environs uh, starting the 8th of December will be in uh, South Africa for a little while. Interesting. Oh, also India and Italy has joined us this morning. So really have a cup of coffee, have a glass of wine. Don't have a glass of wine if it's early morning and um, pull up a chair. So we're going today, of course, to talk about um, Thanksgiving because for Jews, it's Thanksgiving all the time. But we're also going to talk about what happened 57 years ago in America, anybody from my generation, any baby boomers listening in, remember very, very well what happened 57 years ago on Tuesday. And we're also going to talk about the brutal murder, the butchery that took place this past Sunday on a beloved son of Israel and certainly a son of South Africa, Ellie Kay. For those of you who haven't heard, stay tuned because I will give a recap and um, very important that we do not shut our computers, but rather take it in, listen and connect. My name is Andrea Simintov and guess what? I'll see you on the other side. did a nice Jewish girl from Delaware end up living in Israel? Shalom! I'm Natalie Sapinski. Join me on my show, Returning Home. Meet different people who have moved to Israel. Hear their personal stories, their highs, their lows, and everything in between. Each week, we talk to experts on immigration and the process of moving to Israel. Listen to Returning Home every Thursday, only on Israel News Talk Radio. back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. By the way, if anything I say on the show today uh, 
piques your interest. That's P-I-Q-U-E-S. Piques your interest and you'd like to discuss it further, would like to know any of my sources, my sources, whether they be news sources, Wikipedia, or primarily biblical, uh, drop me a note, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and I would be happy to uh, have an exchange with you. Oh, good morning, Jamaica. I was asking about Jamaica. Jamaica joined us, and um, that makes me very, very happy. So um, I'm going to be taking, please God, right after the show today, actually, I'm going to be packing up our caravan, and taking a blessed few days to hopefully relax, to cook, because that's what I love doing when I have free time. I just cook. I pull out grills. I pull out air fryers. I pull out mixers. And I'm going to stand and overlook the Kinneret uh, with my husband, who hopefully will be riding his bicycle day and night, night and day. And I will be in the caravan. So I'm thinking about going up north and looking at my beautiful Israel, my beloved Israel, the week before Hanukkah. Next week will be, of course, our Hanukkah show. And I'm thinking about feelings. Had a lot of clients today talking uh, this week, talking about their feelings. And some of them really had heavy-duty stories, histories, heartache from children, heartache from grandchildren, heartache historically from parents. And then I kept thinking about... Um, you know, the girl with like a mega zit on her face and she can't go to the prom. She goes, oh my gosh, I have a pimple. I can't go. I can't go. And heartache, the endorphins, all of the chemical reactions are accurate and they're identical, whether it's the zit on the face or surviving a trauma. What is important is what we do with our feelings, how we manipulate, use, and grow from the things we experience. And of course, therein lies the rub. I was asked, I can remember very clearly, I was asked, I was sitting shiva for my father back in 2003. It was right after Cholamoed, the intermediate uh, days of Sukkot. And it was really the height of the intifada. I mean, we were still ducking buses, you know, bus bombings and street stabbings, you know, standard, standard behavior from recalcitrant cousins. And one of the Shiva visitors, uh, very religious, religiously observant, said to me, how can you live there? And I remember being numb, numb with grief from the loss of a beloved parent. And I went right into automatic mode. And my answer was very simply, how can I not? And then, of course, a little Andrea Pepper kicked in. And I said, and how do you justify not living in Israel? My brother, who's very soft-spoken and kind in everything he does and very, very deliberate and very God-centered, I'm laughing, pulled me aside and chastised me. And he's my baby brother. And he said to me, this is not about you. It is only about daddy. And I thought to myself, you know, there are even rules of conduct when our hearts are broken. There are rules of conduct if you're a patient. There are rules of conduct if you're a host 
and if you're a guest. This week, Ellie Kay was murdered. Somebody posted a beautiful picture of this wonderful, wonderful young man. And I say, I didn't know him. I did not know him. But I can promise you, without knowing his parents, although we, I do know that there are connections, but without knowing his parents, they were fine and among the finest. To have raised a boy like this, a young man who absolutely was doing everything wonderful, a young man who had enlisted in the Israeli Defense Forces in a combat union, who worked the land in a kibbutz in southern Israel, who was working as a tour guide at the Western Wall and was on his way either to or from prayers at that same Western Wall. This is a young man who was butchered. And make no mistake, we're going to get to a minute, who the son of a bitch who killed him was. We're going to get to that. And I tell you, you better listen with open ears and open hearts. And do not dare to write to this station or to this presenter and tell me that Israel is also, also not blameless. Not the time. And if that's what's between your ears and you think you want to act on that, shame on you. This is a young man, a fine man, a man who is going to achieve great things and father great children and be a source of great naches to Israel who will never again know the joys of marriage, of watching children grow up and of building a life. And I tell everybody listening here, remember his name, Ellie Kay. I came across an article written by Stephen Flatow, also a name to remember. Look him up. Somebody who took his grief and built and soared. Stephen Flatow's daughter, Elisa Flatow, was killed, blown up on a, bu- on a, on a bus coming out of um, the Kfardarom community in Gaza Strip. You, you remember, do you remember Aza that we gave back for nothing, for promises, for air, for guarantees of conduct, better conduct. Remember that? Anyway, Stephen Flatow reminds us that the butcher of Ellie Kay was not some poor, misguided, impoverished young man trying to bring honor to his family. This was a man who was employed. This is a man who was a teacher of children. This man, whose name will not be uttered by this announcer, was an Islamic scholar, and he was an educator. He taught in a Jerusalem municipal school. I pay taxes. Yeah, I paid his salary. He received that same salary from the municipality, and he preached in the Al-Aqsa Mosque. You know the place, the hub of peace. He carried the same Israeli identity card as the rest of us, and he lived in Jerusalem, and he took the same light rail and the same buses as we do. Was he a disenfranchised teenager? You know, 
they had a policy. I remember when I made Aliyah, they used to not let anybody go up to the Al-Aqsa, to the Temple Mount. They didn't let any Arabs go there. There was a policy unless they were 39 and older. I think that was it because their feeling was that a man who's already 39 is not hot in his britches. He's not um, thinking about, um, what's the word, thinking about, um, he's thinking about his family. Anyway, this guy was, I'm just getting into something here, a 42-year-old father of five. He sent his family to Jordan a few days before the premeditated crime. Yes, premeditated. He wasn't young. He wasn't struggling. He wasn't uneducated, and he was not disenfranchised. He was evil. He was driven by death-filled Jew-hating ideology that he preached. He was a peddler of hate, hate think, hate action, and perpetuation of hate for future generations. He comes from a zero-sum populace that refuses to oust those who relegate today's Arabs to lives of utter decrepitude and hopelessness. Both of them are destinies of their own making and their own design. So again, don't tell me that there's a reason. Okay, let's see where we're holding now. Um, All right, I'm just checking my time. Oh, very good. Okay. (laughs) All right. So I told you, anyway... Look up the story of of uh, Elisa Flatow. I encourage you. Her 1995 murder and what her father, who wrote a book called A Father's Story, My Fight for Justice Against Iranian Terror. I will tell you something. Perhaps it is the first uh, example in certainly my experience, maybe in Israel, where a father, a dad, a dad like you dads listening in, a parent like so many of us stood up against a Goliath of Iranian uh, society, Iranian government, held his fist in the air, and he um, he prevailed. All right. So also, I know that they're sitting Shiva for the K family this week. I have the information. Don't have it in front of me. If you want to know and you live in Israel and you want to know where to visit the K family, uh, where they're sitting Shiva, I believe they're sitting Shiva in the community of Moda'in. Send me a note, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and I will give you the information. When we come back, okay, deep breath, Andrea, deep breath. We're okay. There's a reason it's called Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving Actually, we know that the pilgrims, you know, I went to a New York City public school. I know all about the pilgrims. And we know that they came to America uh, based on religious freedom. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the Jewish connection to Thanksgiving and why it's called Thanksgiving. And actually, we may even find a connection to this week's Parsha. So hold this in your mind in the meantime, where uh, before we come back, just during the break, think about Winston Churchill saying, we make a living by what we get, we make a life by what we give. My name is Andrea Simintov. Oh boy, I'll see you on the other side. Shalom, everybody. Making a difference often takes just one moment and one person at a time. 
I am Orly Benny Davis, your show host on Israel News Talk Radios from Jerusalem with love. You'll be hearing people talking about politics, religion, social issues, and making a better tomorrow. Join me, Orly Benny Davis, for God and Country. From Jerusalem with love. Wednesdays on Israel News Talk Radio. We're back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I'm telling you, you guys have to hang out here. It's between the scenes, between the sets that we have the best conversations here. I take note and I bring them to you later. Oh, hi. So Austria and Algeria joined us this morning. I am delighted. Very nice. Welcome. Good morning. And um, you missed the first section. You have a homework assignment. Listen on podcast to the first segment. There will be a test next week. Okay. There is a reason why it is called Thanksgiving. We're going to touch upon some Jewish stuff here. Um, I've mentioned in the past that for many years, I was a student of Rabbi Benjamin Blech of Yeshiva University. He should live and be well. And I know that he suffered some health issues in recent years. But Rabbi Blech, we daven for you all the time. And you should continue to teach and spread the light of Torah. So he wrote an article recently, which kind of piqued my interest, why it's called Thanksgiving. And Rabbi Black contends that there's a remarkable interplay, a connection between giving and receiving. We all know the, the adage, it is better give to receive. Is it really? So let's explore that a little Bit. So on the Jewish calendar, Thanksgiving is not an official holiday, but it is as Jewish an idea as one could possibly imagine. We thank our God. I mean, we wake up in the morning. I open my eyes in the morning before I even utter his name. I say, thank you for opening my eyes, you know, sovereign of the universe. That's it. We don't take that first breath without screaming acknowledgement. We thank God for our blessings. It's the first thing we do. Our very descriptive Jew, Yehudi, Yehud, comes from the Hebrew name of Judah, who will appear in my Devar Torah today, my Torah talk. And it's a name given to him by his mother as an expression of gratitude for being given what she thought was even more than she deserved. Imagine naming our child. Thank you. Um, so, you know, we make, so I said before the break, I think it was, I think it was Winston Churchill. I think uh, he says, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. So philosophers have argued whether it's better to give or to receive. So today we have all the benefit. I spoke before about endorphins and I think oxy, oxytoxins that surge through the body. And we have a lot of stuff, a lot of research that goes on, uh, which might prove that altruism giving is not just a moral value. It really is something that gives us physical health. Research has shown that it makes us happier than receiving. Let's see, I came across a study. 
Yeah. Okay. So here's a study. There was a study that shows that giving money to others or to charity will put a bigger smile on your face than spending it on yourself. So Michael Norton, who's a professor at Harvard Business School, woohoo, he conducted such a study. I don't know what year, but anyway, along with his colleagues, Norton questioned, he queried 632 Americans about their level of income and what they spent their money on. They were also asked to rate their own happiness. Is everybody taking notes? Is very jokes, I know, but stay focused. In one of the experiments, 96 participants received $5 every day for five days, and they were randomly assigned to spend this money on themselves or uh, in an online donation to charity every single day, but they had to spend the money on the exact same thing each time. Okay. So the findings were published in psychological science. It showed that when they repeatedly gave to others, uh, the participants happiness did not decline and the joy they felt from giving to others. Listen to this on the fifth day was just as strong as on the first day, meaning it sort of becomes, what was I heard that like it takes a habit anywhere from 18 to 286 days. So the fifth day, they were still getting the same joy, the same laughing, the same knockers. I mentioned on a South African radio show last week, it was very funny, my father of blessed memory, who seems to be getting a lot of airtime today. <laughs> okay, I don't know why. Um, when we used to travel in the old days before easy pass, before automatic, uh, you know, deduction when you went over bridges, we had one of those old fashioned station wagons, an old Chrysler, you know, with the fins in the back. And we children, three of us would sit in that back seat. We used to call it the nerd seat. You couldn't help. You couldn't look cool sitting in that seat, looking out the back window. You look like a nerd. So we would sit and we would make people, we'd make donkey ears. We'd wave at people. My father, when he was driving, one of the favorite activities was he would pay the toll for the car behind us. We didn't know who it was, but he would give the money to the toll taker, which was a job. And we in the back would look at the faces. We would watch the faces of those who discovered that they were receiving a free uh, trip over the bridge. And I can just remember uh, it was, for some reason, <laughs> we often had nuns trailing us, cars filled with nuns. So that was always a lot of fun. But it was that act of giving and our being excited to see it. Um, there's a psychological basis for generosity that focuses on, as I told you, this hormone oxytocin. There was a study wondering if it could explain the generosity of billions of dollars of wealth and time that is donated by certain benefactors. And the conclusion, you'll tell me, I'm not going to take up the time and tell you where this study came from, ask me later, is that oxytocin connects us to others and social connections are a powerful way to increase one's own happiness. If you want to connect to others, being generous is a great start. You know, when I open up the show each week, I say who's listening in. I know it's kooky because... How are we connected? We're connected through airwaves, through a phenomenon called the internet, little bubbly things flying around space. And yet when I hear that Austria and Algeria and Jamaica and Germany and the U.S. and Canada and you know Central America are listening in, it does somehow 
within me, certainly, give me a sense of connectivity. So it's not surprising that serving family and friends at a beautiful dinner, we do it each week. You know, it's very funny. There are Thanksgiving dinners taking place here in Israel tonight among the American uh the American citizens listening in because it just was a wonderful holiday. It was the holiday that made us all American, made us as one when religious relatives and not religious relatives, when, you know, would get together and we all knew that we were celebrating something, something that connected everyone. So, but most people I know, most observant Jews cannot eat mega dinners two nights in a row. Well, that's not really true. A lot of Jews can eat two dinners, two nights in a row, but let's be normal. So anyway, they do a Thanksgiving Shabbos is a very big thing. So I know a lot of people are making turkey, turkey dinner, serving it with the cranberry sauce, and really remembering their American connectedness, that even though they live here, that they were blessed to have grown up, dare I say, in a different America. America that really was Pledge of Allegiance, that was Brotherhood Day, that were international dance festivals, and America that very much connected us. The Jewish idea of giving and serving and pouring out and giving a minimum of 10% tzedakah, what we refer to as tithes, as part of our obligation, not a fun thing, is something that the pilgrims picked up on. Very quick, in our last few minutes, I do want to talk about caregivers and caretakers. And Rabbi Blech brings down that there are two words in English which seem to be antonyms, and yet they're one and the same person. Someone who extends needed help to somebody who's disabled and to those who can't take care of themselves is called a caregiver. However, another name for the same individual is a caretaker, a giver and a taker according to Rabbi Blech, and now according to me, are not contradictory. By giving, we are at the same time receiving. The gift of being a blessing, that one should be a blessing unto others, that one's name should be a blessing, that one's legacy should be one of blessing, is transformed into personal gratification beyond measure, Math doesn't do the job. Caregivers are turned into caretakers in the form of a divine blessing. The name Thanksgiving manages to convey that duality of our responses to the gifts we acknowledge from our God in heaven. Yes, we need to give thanks for the love and the compassion that God has shown us throughout our lives. And our thanks has to be, in order to be richer, to be more textured, it must be accompanied us to be both blessed as caretakers and caregivers. So my name is Andrea Simintov, and during the break, when we come back, we're going to talk about the Parsha, the Torah portion, and perhaps give some thought to safer topics for any Thanksgiving gathering, whether it be on a Thursday night or Shabbos dinner. Guess what? I'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 
This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany is but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel. Phantom Nation, every Monday. Hi, I'm Rabbi David Aaron. The soul basics are the most profound the most essential, and yet often the most neglected in our education. Join me for Soul Talk on Israel's News Talk Radio and discover the secrets to love, spiritual growth, and personal power. Israel News Talk Radio. We're back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And again, I'm just going to throw out, if there's anything you want to discuss, send me a note, uh, take issue with. <laughs> I'm not that brave, but feel free. Or write to me at Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and I will take your issue and really consider it very deeply. All right. Before we go to our uh, Devar Torah section, which you may already know that is... Um, Really my favorite part of the day. Oh, by the way, Ireland joined us. Good morning, Ireland. It's kind of early by you. Huh. All right. I hope you're not drinking Irish coffee. Just keep it a regular coffee, a Starbucks kind of a thing. And uh, you can add the whiskey later. My husband loves Irish coffee. Okay. So before we go to uh, the Devar Torah, I do want to just finish up on this Thanksgiving theme. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I really do love that Jewish kind of a connection. And there are things that... I don't know. I have been to Shabbos meals that have been very inspiring. Really, what I say to my husband is they gave me my Shabbos. But I've also been to Simcha dinners, uh, holiday sudaot meals, and um, Sabbath meals that, you know, kind of robbed the spirituality. Came across an article, uh, not a Jewish source, and it was called 12 Foolproof Table Topics for Any Thanksgiving Gathering. We have to do the Devar Torah, but I do want to go through this. Take it with a grain of salt, but nevertheless, uh, it might be a couple of good rules for also our Sabbath meals and meeting new people. Keep it clear. Keep it clear of politics. Keep it clear of the other sensitive subjects. And there are a lot of fun and lively conversation starters. If you can keep things Torah-centric, of course, always my favorite. But um, you can talk about, uh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to talk about Taylor Swift. You can talk about music. You can talk about science. You can look up and see what Israel's newest development is because I promise you, again, I had some fillers for today's show about new immune therapies coming out of Israel. But science is always great. Uh, you can talk about sports. A lot of things going on sports. Uh, there's some good movies. Okay, good kosher movies you can talk about. Uh, is something Torah-centric, not Torah-centric. Well, the only thing I would talk about politics maybe, apparently that actor, uh, Matthew McC uh how do you say his name, McCoffey? He's very good looking. He's in all of those John Grisham type films. Anyway, apparently I think he's running for governor of Texas. And The Rock, who I'm crazy about, is thinking about running for president. That could make a safe Thanksgiving talk. Not so much Shabbos, family Talk about what's different this year, sitting around the table, how Shabbos are different uh, 
this year of COVID versus last year? What ritual got canceled that do you want to resume? Food, always a safe traffic, especially if you Jews at the table. A lot of restaurants are permanently closed because of COVID. What beloved restaurant do you miss? What restaurant did you go to as a young person? What restaurant would you like to open? That's my, you know, my thing. Um, I don't know. You could talk about culture. I don't know too many people who are cultured. Uh, technology is good. And you could also come up and talk about language. This was like kind of cute. Last month, Merriam-Webster added a bunch of new words to their dictionary. That is worth Googling and bring up at the Shabbos meals. They included FTW, okay, FTW for the something. All right. I know BTW, by the way, Amorite, blank check company, Deplatform, digital nomad, super spreader. Super spreader is a word in the uh, dictionary now. Copy pasta. What about ism? That I like. What about ism? Ghost kitchen and a dad bod. Okay. So what kind of new phrases would you add? All right. It's enough, enough. Enough of my Andrea filler. Safe topics. If you have any safe topics, let me know. I certainly could use them. All right, let's go here, let's go here. No, we're not going to talk about rules for a healthy marriage. Okay, we don't want to talk about that anymore. Um, Okay, Vayeshev, this week's Parsha. This week's Parsha, or portion, and you know if I I miss a word or I, I use the Hebrew instead of the English, it does happen to me. I have forgotten a lot of the English. Uh, Send me a note. Hey, Andrea, speak in English. Anyway, this week's portion deals with temptation the temptation of human beings. The brothers of Joseph, to whom we will now refer to as Yosef, they are very displeased with his attitude and behavior toward them. They choose to overlook the fact that he's only 17 years old. They overlook the fact that he is orphaned from his mother. And they overlook the fact that he is overly protected by his father. When he arrives alone and he's very vulnerable at their camp, he is certainly an inviting target for frustration and wrath by a group of very tired, very hardworking men who are kind of harboring a lot of misguided resentment. Um, They're tempted, the brothers, by the obvious opportunity presented to solve their, shall we call it their Yosef problem, So in giving in to this temptation and not assessing correctly the consequences of doing so, what happens? Doom. They're dooming themselves, being haunted by this fatal impulse of theirs and their remaining lives. In fact, we know how this unfolds for the the rest of human history. There's a contest going on between right and wrong, good and evil, moral and despicable. It's a never-ending contest. We know that in all of our lives. And in fact, it's the basis for Judaism. Judaism, the picture of free will and freedom of choice as being the ultimate arbiter of our well-being and immortality. We're always tempted, but we are encouraged not to give into that temptation. Our ability to control ourselves in the face of temptation is that battlefield of our lives. It's no wonder that the rabbis in Avot, um, in the writings of the fathers, declared that the truly strong hero in life is the one who can deal with and overcome temptations. He is the one 
who captures the city. Um, appearances oftentimes deceive the beholder. In this week's Torah portion, uh, which, by the way, is called Vayeshev, um, it is a human tendency to rush to judgment on the basis of external appearances and the physical circumstances play an important walk, uh, an important part in the narrative of the Torah. The brothers of Yosef they misinterpret that cloak that was given to him by their father as a symbol of hatred towards them. Why should he be allowed to dress differently than we? Is their complaint. You know, parents who are fortunate to have a number of children, they immediately recognize this situation and the whining that accompanies it. Yet out of what really is a minor event, imagine if the event was let go, ah, let go of it. You're complaining for no reason. Um, you know, a whole fulfillment of a dire prophecy emerges. Yosef's attitudes and his dreams certainly did not help the situation, but in the judgment of Torah and the commentators, the brothers misread the situation and badly overreacted. And they're going to pay a very big price for this misjudgment. They are now going to take every action, every statement of Yosef as being a direct threat to them and their roles in founding the Jewish people. He was different from them, and they were different people often. And, you know, different people are very frequently misunderstood, and oftentimes they're needlessly wrongfully persecuted in the history of Jewish society. Um, I want to just run ahead because you can read the Parsha, as I know you will. But the Torah, we're told of an instance where Yehuda sees a woman sitting in the crossroads of a highway. He doesn't recognize her, even though she is his daughter-in-law. She is dressed in a different matter, manner, and he immediately comes to the conclusion that because of the circumstances, well, she must be a harlot. He will be eternally and publicly shamed for mistaking Tamar's appearance. And out of this unlikely union, the future of the Jewish people will arise, but it's obvious that this was definitely not Yehuda's finest hour. He judged that woman by her appearance, and he was mistaken. He will later admit publicly that she was the more righteous one. What's very interesting is it shows how he grows, because when Yosef is in the pit crying and screaming, Yehuda and the brothers sat and ate. It was the strongest indictment of them. Okay? But they have to pay a tremendous price. According to the Midrash, God seemingly says to the ten brothers, you sold your brother and then sat down to eat. So there will come a time when your descendants will be sold in the midst of a feast. And so it was a glaring example of Mida Keneged Mida, measure for measure that in the time of Mordechai and Queen Esther, after Haman and King Ahasuerus resolved to exterminate the Jews of Persia, they sat down together and had a drink. I say this because we get back to Yehuda, who ultimately acknowledges publicly she's more righteous. The child is from me. The Torah is letting us know that Yehuda had learned a lesson from his earlier failure to lead and assume the necessary level of responsibility. But later, in the case of Tamar, Yehuda was prepared to take responsibility 
and be accountable for his actions. What is past is past, according to Rabbi Lieb of Sasov. As for the future, I expect Hashem's salvation to come at any instant. Thus, my troubles will only last a moment. Is there any person who can't bear troubles for an instant? My name is Andrea Simintov. Thank you for joining me today. Happy Thanksgiving and Shabbat Shalom from Jerusalem. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.